Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Well, that's a loaded question. There's a lot of reasons or a lot of challenges, I would say, to why we're not seeing discipleship the way we should. I think we said this in a previous podcast in the past. One of the main reasons I won't spend a lot of time on this is that we haven't defined the terms. (laughs) So we we don't really know what we're talking about in the area of discipleship. And this is a pet peeve of mine. Sorry if I offend anyone. But when I drive past a church and see on the placard outside, discipleship training meets at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night, I just start to cringe. I mean, just to be honest, and, and listen, no offense, but discipleship is training. Yeah, that's a part of it, but it's way more than that. And if we reduce discipleship or disciple yeah. making to a one hour a week class, mm-hmm. then we go back to the, the, the training union days. And those were good days, but the problem was nobody did anything with the training union. Sure. I, I see a lot of times I'll see like an ad for 12 week discipleship training. And you're thinking, okay. Jesus spent a little bit more time with his disciples, but we can do it in 12 weeks. Exactly. Well, what did Jesus know, right? He may have been on to something. Three to three and a half years. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, he might have been on to something. But here's the thing. Yes, it's training. It's a part of it. But the the true measure of understanding what disciple making is or discipleship is, or even seeing the effectiveness of your disciple making ministry take root, is how well the people you invest in reproduce what they've learned. And, and the saying we, we, we use all the time is, the gospel came to you because it was heading to someone else. Every person listening is either fumbling the handoff or you're passing it on with, with passion. And so... To answer your question, there's there's about five reasons I think we could talk about. But number one, let's take the first one today. Okay. Number one, why we're not seeing disciple making in the local church today is because we are in untraveled territory. Okay. Okay. Untraveled territory, meaning we are trying to take people to a place, unfortunately, that many pastors have never been to themselves. Now, you can't change the past. So I'm not trying to heap a burden upon you while you leave and say, man, I can't do this. I feel overwhelmed. There's no way this can happen. I want to encourage you at the end, but let me just kind of give you an example. When I was a kid, uh, I, w- I grew up in a neighborhood that had a, a, a large uh, area of woods behind the house. There was a huge area of woods. We used to think there were people living in the woods. We used to think there were monsters in the woods, if you can imagine growing up. Okay, so as a kid, I was probably eight or nine years old. I never ventured in the woods by myself. You know, there were stories and folklore of the uh, of the trolls in the woods and the hobbit lived, you know. You didn't have the internet to dispel these things No, back we then. didn't. That's we right. did And then the Blair Witch Project came out and messed us all up, okay? So, you never went that? in the woods. You never left the house oh, again. Oh, boy. I mean, I had a BB gun aimed at the tree lawn. So anyway, so I, I decided... I had to go in the woods once or twice a year when I was a little kid with my parents when my dad would take me and every Easter we'd go to the woods. Uh, my dad would take us with his dad, my grandfather, and then uh, my uncle Johnny. And so we'd go to the woods and we'd have a great time and we'd kind of lead and uh, they'd lead me. And then eventually one time they would say, uh, hey, Robbie, I want you to go. Uh, so I take the stick and I love to do this. Take the stick. I kind of beat a path and I'm deep into the heart of the woods, beating a trail. And I look back and not only is my dad gone, 
but my uncle's gone and my grandfather's gone. This kind of family I lived in, you know, always playing jokes on me. And so here I was in the middle of the, I mean, we're way back in the woods. We're not only down on a trail, we're off the trail, you know? And so I look back and I run to like the main trail and I don't see him. I start yelling, dad, you know, papa, uncle Johnny, are you there? Nobody. I run to the left. I look for him. Run to the right. I couldn't find him. So what does an eight year old boy do when he can't find his parents? You climb a tree. No, you cry. <laughs> that's, you that's cry. True. That's what that's I did. True. I started you know, you know, holding back the tears. You know, Daddy. And so finally, Dad comes out. Uncle Johnny comes out. Papa comes out. Yeah, we're just playing a joke on you. See if you can find your way out. You know, just that's trying to make you joke. cry. Just trying to make yeah, you cry. Apparently, yeah. So, so finally, they say, "Hey, listen, we're going to help." I mean, I could have never found my way out, right? I mean, I didn't know how to find it through the sun or the tree line. But my dad basically leans over and he says, son, come on, I'm going to grab you by the hand. And then he takes it upon himself to lead me out of the woods back to the house. Many people need that helping hand in the area of discipleship to kind of lead them on a path that they've never been on. Right. And so it's the same thing that works in the same way it works in the local church. There are a lot of pastors who have they think an understanding of discipleship or they they they. They've read books about disciple making, but the best way to make disciples is to make disciples and yeah. kind of learn as you go. I tell people in discipleship, you're actually trying to keep the plane in the air by making adjustments on it as you're flying. So you're off the ground, you get off the tarmac, you're in the air, and you're making course corrections, you're tweaking things, you're changing things in the air to try to keep the plane afloat. But that's normal. Right. Yeah. You don't have all the answers. You don't know all the pitfalls, but that's normal. Wow. So when we're talking about untraveled territory and you're saying, you know, there's a lot of guys out there. I know we've talked to many pastors at conferences, conventions, events, trainings that we do, our discipleship blueprint, even our cohorts. And for the mass majority, these are uh, senior pastors, senior leaders in the church have said they were never intentionally discipled. Now, thankfully, we're seeing more say yes to that. But for the most part, the mass majority have said they have, they have not been discipled. So I think you're right in that. These guys just haven't been there themselves. So when they think of it, they don't have a framework or a reference of, of something to work off of. So what would you tell a pastor, uh, say there's a guy at a church of whatever size, and he's he's hearing about discipleship more and more, and he's thinking, oh, that's a 12-week deal. We get our people in 101. They learn some basic principles, and then you know they've been, they've been discipled. And then we unleash them to go live the life of, or whatever that means. How do you help that guy? see the bigger picture of discipleship and make the difference between, because he's busy preparing sermons, he's busy dealing with people, you're a pastor, you know, all these things that take your time. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you help that guy make that leap from, you know, it seems like you're adding a lot more to your plate, but in reality, as, as we know, you're not, yeah. but help that pastor uh, understand the new uh, paradigm of what this, this type of discipleship, what we're talking about, Biblical discipleship really is. Well, I asked Bill Hall, who's written a number of books uh, on discipleship. He's been writing on it for 30 years. Uh, he started with Jesus Christ, the disciple maker, the disciple making pastor, the disciple making church, choose the life, 
Uh, he's written just about everything. The complete book on discipleship. We laugh about that one. Right. Uh, I mean, the complete <laughs> book. But Bill is, I like to say Bill Hall put the hip back in discipleship. Okay, that's who Bill is. He's been doing it for a while. But the thing when I asked Bill one time, and, and Bill was discipled by a man named Dallas Willard. Uh, just spent a lot of time with uh, Dr. Willard. And I asked him one time, what do pastors have to do as a first step before they engage sure. in discipleship? He said, that's simple. They have to repent for not making disciples their entire ministry up to this point. And I think uh, it's a harsh statement. Golly, I get that. But he said, that's the only thing Jesus authorized us to do. The only thing he authorized us to do in the Great Commission, only thing in the Bible he authorized us to do, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. Any questions? Now, here, here's the reality, just to poll those listening. How many of you would say, by your own admission, I had the privilege of systematically, consistently uh, invested, being invested in by a person mm-hmm. over a course uh, of a year or two years or the course of time? Mm-hmm. How many would you say, by your own admission, that happened to you? And I'm not talking about casual discipleship. I'm not talking about discipleship from the pulpit for a pastor. I'm not talking about every now and then meet for pizza. I'm talking about a consistent, persistent time of living life, accountability, uh, a, a guy you know, confronting you with sin, helping you grow as a believer. The statistic is, and if you say no to that, you're not alone. The statistic is, and we don't have hard statistics on this. I'd love to have a study done on this, but the, sure. the numbers we have polled from just conferences we've been at, senior pastors or, or ministers in churches would say 60% to 70% would say, I've never had the privilege of being discipled. Now, and here's the challenge. Yeah, okay, so here's the challenge with that. Just like the story of me in the woods. It's very difficult to take someone on a journey you've never been on. Yeah. Okay. So the first the first thing I think we need to do is we need to recognize, okay, and, and listen, I'm not saying we have a monopoly on making disciples and we know all the information because we learn every day and we're still growing. Even me and my own personal discipleship groups, I'm growing every week and every year, still growing. But one of the things I tell people is we have a team here at Replicate that has paid a lot of dumb tax for you. <laughs> I mean, we have true, used true. The, the three different types of churches I've had the privilege of pastoring. Yeah. We've used them as kind of an incubator or, or an incubator or a laboratory, if you will, for discipleship and what works, what not work or what doesn't work. So the first church, Emmanuel Baptist Church, Morgan City, Louisiana, a Bayou Church, sixty-five people when I got there. Uh, j- just a just a church, typical you know Southern Baptist Church, USA. And uh, I went in there. Didn't I was only a Christian for three and a half years. And so I told. They said, "What's your five-year plan?" I said, "I don't even know what I'm going to do next month, but I do know this: <laughs> I'm going to make disciples." and preach expository biblical messages. God blessed the work there, not because of me, in spite of me, because Jesus said it would work. Yeah. Okay? The second thing, second church was Brainerd Baptist Church, high church, traditional, conservative, great church, Chattanooga, Tennessee, great people there, just like Emmanuel. Uh, Very different church, but I went in with the same way. And I realized if I could get those senior adults and middle-aged adults who had never, some of them, heard the word discipleship yeah. to embrace disciple-making and pass it on to the generation who would come after them, who knows what God could do. We, When I left the church, by, by the grace of God, we had more
more people in discipleship groups of three to five than we had in Sunday school and life group. Oh, wow. That's a lot of groups. Think <laughs> yeah. about that. A lot of groups. That's crazy. And then we come along hollow, very different church than, than Brainerd, very different than Emmanuel. Uh, great church, great people, high zeal for evangelism. And we just have been trying to marry this disciple making ministry model. And it's been amazing already. And here's the thing about a, ch- a pastor who's pastoring a church that is focused highly on evangelism. If you can marry a discipleship focus, the the results are exponential and the response is exponential because you have a people who know the importance of sharing their faith, but they also realize that baptism is not the finish line, it's the starting line. And that's where the real work begins. So I would say for a pastor, yes, you can't take people, it's very difficult to take people on a journey you've never been on, but it's not impossible. So I would encourage a pastor, number one, be a lifelong learner, a leader in a church. You don't have to be the pastor. You could be a leader in the church. You could be a deacon. Uh, you could be a men's minister, women's leader in the church, a women's minister. Number one, be a lifelong learner, okay? Always be learning new models, n- new new methods for making disciples. We don't have a monopoly on, on making disciples. We have a method we think that works because we've seen it work in churches, but we don't have the only method. Uh, we would say, I would say, be a lifelong learner. Number two, Get off the bench, get in the game. I would identify and pray for four to five men if you're a man, four to five women if you're a female, and I would spend the next 12 to 18 months with them. Reading the Word is the textbook. That's the, that's the textbook. Memorizing Scripture, praying together, and then going through a book. Literally just living life together. Yes, you meet for an hour to an hour and 15, 20 minutes a week, it's more than that, but it's never less than that. So yes, discipleship happens outside of that time. My group, uh, as your group, Chris, uh, we're on a we're on a text message group together. We're living life together. We're meeting for lunch together. We're talking all the time. We see each other. So it's more than the one and a half hours or an hour you meet every week, but it's never less than that. Well, and and the one thing to to summarize all this and and what you just said with with what you, how you would ask them to take that first step. Or suggest they take it. What is the end game? What's the result? What is the goal? Because I think a lot of pastors who have been hesitant, or like we've talked about, who ha- have just not been there before, is the end goal just some guys that you invested in and trained for a little while? Or is the end goal something else? And we know it's obviously to replicate, to multiply. But, but from from a pastor, yourself, two other pastors, help help people understand who are listening and, and struggling to know, what are you trying to get at? Just spending life with others, which is great, and we should do that, but what is the end result we're trying to, to aim for? Well, that, that's a, again, that's a complex question as well. I mean, golly, I'm good know. at that. I'm what good at that. <laughs> we're at the end of the, of the, as of the we podcast, here. and you're asking a loaded question. Uh, there's a, there's a, lot of, a lot of responses you can give to that. Number one, I think the ultimate end goal is to be a maturing follower of Christ. Right, we never arrive, but we're maturing in Christ. Uh, number two is to be a godly man or woman, obviously, which is part of maturity. But number three, and here's the big one: to reproduce, replicate, and multiply your life. I was reading this morning in my F two sixty reading plan, uh, Deuteronomy. We're in Deuteronomy now, and uh, God says to the people, "If you obey me, I'm going to prosper you." and you will multiply. And it reminded me, that's the same command God gave to Adam and Eve in the garden, reproduce and be multi- multiply. 
Same command he gave to Noah when the ark landed, reproduce and multiply. It's the same he gave to Abraham, reproduce and multiply. It's the same he gave to the nation, reproduce and multiply. And it's no accident that when Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, here's what he's saying, reproduce and multiply. So what I would say to those listening, who are you leaving behind investing in to have a lasting legacy long after you're gone. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, uh, the success or effectiveness of my life will not be judged based on how much I do. In a sense, he said in the book of Corinthians, he said, you guys, your hearts are the love letter of my legacy. In a sense, I've written my life on your hearts and long after I'm gone, you will multiply the ministry I've invested in you. Here's what he told Timothy. You, therefore, my child, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who are able to teach others also. And to glorify God. Obviously, somebody said, what about glorify? You glorify God by doing what Jesus commanded you to do. I think that's the goal of the Christian life. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.